the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking today with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who is acquaintance coincidentally also the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. And Lieutenant Colonel, you recently penned an article for the uh, ACRU's website where you raised many of these issues and you made the point, and I'd like to have you elaborate on this for the benefit and understanding of our listeners. You made the point in saying, and I'm quoting, the military is a discriminatory organization because its mission is not about a profits and loss statement. What do you mean by that? Well, the military is a discriminatory organization. If you have flat feet, you can't join the military. If you have asthma, you can't join the military. Uh, as a commander, I put people out of the military because uh, they were overweight. Uh, they couldn't pass a physical fitness test. So we're very discriminatory in, uh, in who we are and what we allow and accept. We have standards because our profit loss uh, statement is not based upon dollars and cents. It's based upon lives. And we want to have the best qualified people. And, you know, going back as we closed our previous segment, uh, you know, I, I can bash the Army, too. Uh, the current Secretary of the Army, I mean, Christine Warmuth, came out and said that she wants to recruit a new uh, a new soldier and, and that she is not looking at recruiting soldiers from families that have generationally served the military. So that means a family like mine. So why would you not want to continue a legacy of service, sacrifice, and commitment in families? What, what is it that you want to go out there and recruit? What are you calling these new soldiers? And so when you talk about, you brought up uh, integrating, uh, this whole thing about inclusion, it is it is inclusion by lowering our standards. You know, one of the pitfalls of this whole gender dysphoria movement in the military is that these individuals can request for and receive an exemption from any physical fitness uh, training and testing. Now, how are you going to have a, a strong and qualified military if you have a percentage of people that don't have to maintain any type of physical readiness and therefore they're not going to be deployable uh, uh, for, for any type of operation? So that's how this very warped and woke military, uh, this ideological agenda of the progressive socialist left, is going to undermine our national security. You know, they're very good with pronouns. Uh, the Air Force Academy, you can't say uh, sir or ma'am or, or mom and dad uh, in the uh, in the Army. You know, we've got these issues with, uh, you know, these people that want to have their gender transition surgeries paid for. The Navy right now does not have enough amphibious uh, landing ships to uh, transport the Marines, uh, and the Marines, that's their number one uh, mission, is in conducting amphibious assaults. So who is paying attention to what is going on in our country? China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Islamic jihadists. You know, by the way, we just uh, had camera footage and surveillance footage of uh, cartel members uh, operating on our side of the border here in Texas, 
carrying of weapons and also body armor. So we, we have some very serious national security and readiness issues we have to confront. And it seems as if this sort of, uh, you know, newfangled, touchy-feely, uh, psychobabble edition of the, the United States military, when you've got top brass making these kind of comments, I mean, I, I, I've mm-hmm. got to believe that everybody driving on San Francisco Bay Area freeways probably, you know, wound up putting their fists through the, the radio speaker in their dashboard if they have had multiple generations of service in whatever branch of the United States military. Quite often, and this is not to single them out, but quite often they are some of the most dedicated people because there's such a, a sense of familial honor that ties into yes. multi-generational service. And so in, instead of saying that, seeing that as a good thing, they turn it into something bad. And I've got to believe at, at multiple layers. Listen, you and I are talking about this on the radio. Clearly, our enemies also know what's going on. And this has to give yeah. them a tremendous sense of comfort. Yes, it does. I mean, China knows that it now has more surface uh, vessels than our United States Navy does. Uh, and the Pacific is a very big ocean. And the last time we saw an Asian nation invest heavily in its maritime forces, I think everyone can remember what happened on that day that will live in infamy, December the 7th, 1941. And so history has a way of repeating itself. So, yes, they are paying attention. They know that when you look at the Heritage Foundation Index of Military Readiness, that uh, we are below average for our military readiness and we're not improving and this is not something that the Biden administration seems to be focused on it's not something that even the senior level leadership of the military seems to be focused on they're more so focused on implementing an ideological agenda in our military than being prepared to you know support and defend the constitution and our way of life and defend our interests across the globe and when you look at nuclear capable nations like communist China like Russia like North Korea. And then you see what's going on with the saber rattling taking place. Of course, North Korea does this almost ad nauseum. Now we're seeing China do it on an increasing basis in relationship to Taiwan, undoubtedly emboldened by some of the acts of uh, of Mr. Putin on the other, the opposite of continent. Uh, this is very disturbing, particularly when you know we we learned some very difficult lessons in the early days of World War II when yes, we, we woke up one day and realized. We're not ready for any of this. We were able to rebuild our military to levels of where it was during World War One and beyond, and went on to you know literally become what did Roosevelt call us the the arsenal for democracy and and literally save not only all of Europe but the vast majority of the Pacific. And yet here we are, seventy eighty years later, about to repeat some of the mistakes of nineteen thirty seven, nineteen thirty eight. It doesn't make any sense. You're absolutely right, and that really is where we are when you think about 1938, 1939. And so when I think about the United States Army's uh, first engagement of World War II, and that was Kazarine Pass in 1942, it was a debacle. We were absolutely decimated and destroyed by Rommel's North Africa Corps, and that's why Eisenhower decided to bring in that horse cavalry guy by the name of General George Patton. Because he knew that we had to, you know, quickly recover from that. But I want the, the folks, your listeners there in Northern California to understand something. That right now, just to the north of you, off the, uh, the coast of Alaska, yep. Russian and Chinese naval uh, uh, flotilla, they're conducting maneuvers and exercises. 
So what does that tell you? That tells you that we have an enemy that understands that right now our maritime capability capacity, as everyone knows, is not up to par, not up to standard. And they are pushing the issue. Well, they're going to see how far they can push. Uh, no doubt about that. And mm-hmm. and if anybody thinks that the topic of Taiwan, for example, is a settled issue, uh, it, it isn't by a long shot. And, and it ought to instill, I hate to say it, but we need to be frank here, it ought to instill fear in the heart of every American, particularly for those of us uh, in, in the, the largely reachable um, West and East Coast. But the, the broader mm-hmm. notion here of uh, this this troubling trend within multiple branches of the United States military. I would imagine that the old guard, a lot, a lot of your colleagues, um, and again, for benefit of listeners, we're talking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who served in the United States Army honorably for 21 years, retiring in 2004, and then um, once again returning to active service in the Texas State Guard. But during your tenure, there's got to be a lot of your peers that would absolutely be losing their mind over even the suggestion that we head in this kind of direction. I mean, who's ever talked about setting a racial cap inside of any branch of the United States military unless this was 1912? Oh, we we absolutely are, and you can go to any uh, military internet site where veterans are having conversations, and we are completely livid about what we see happening in the military. And we're trying to speak up. And you know, one of the things that uh, we started at the uh, American Constitutional Rights Union is a constitutional conservative veterans organization called the Committee to Support Defend. Because as I stress, just because you take your uniform off does not mean that your oath to support and defend the Constitution and stand in the gap is over. Uh, that that has no statute of limitations. So we want veterans to continue to get engaged and let their voices be heard, especially when it comes to our military readiness and our national security. Well, we appreciate what you're doing, and uh, it's a shame that these matters even need to be called attention to, let alone discussed. I mean, anybody capable of reading the headline stories can tell you that this is not the time to engage in social experimentation in the United States military. But here we are, and that means all of us, um, whether you have served um, honorably in the United States military or you're just a, a lifelong civilian, this affects all of us. This affects the safety and security of every free American. So we need to be letting Congress know what we think about this, and uh, you can certainly get better educated. Check out the ACRU, I think American Constitutional Rights Union, the ACRU.org, fascinating article by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West called The Pitfalls of Identity Politics. And boy, when you start to mix that in with the military dangerous combination. Our thanks again um, to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West for being with us, and thank you very much for not only your your previous duty, but your ongoing duty to our nation. There's Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, lots to talk about, so let's get down to cases. We're going to uh, talk a bit about the current uh, political state that we are in and um, get some perspective from a biblical viewpoint as we welcome into the conversation Dr. Alex McFarland, religion and culture expert. He's the author of some two dozen best-selling books, including his most recent called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. And Dr. McFarland, always a delight to have you with us. 
Well, thank you, Craig. You're so gracious. It's always a privilege to be on. And um, did we lose I him there? Such respect for you. That's okay. <laughs> you know, every uh, once in a while, things go well. a little bit awry, and uh, we got it all worked out now. I think we might drop another two bits of the coin slot. <laughs> At well, any rate, Dr. Hey. McFarland, always a delight to have you join us on the program. And, and as we lead off tonight, there's a lot to unpack here, so I want to just kind of dive right in. First, let me get your take on the events of yesterday. Uh, it's interesting that before the program today, somebody has sent me an article um, that is pondering the question, is it reasonable? to bring children into today's world. And certainly on the heels of the tragic shooting yesterday, it, it raises questions about what's going on in, you know, not only American society, but the overall state of, of man's sin nature. And I was taken aback, not surprised, but yeah, a bit taken aback by news today that at the core of this tragic shooting in Kansas City yesterday, one person lost their life, 20 others injured, eight of the 20 are children, that that the entire thing, thankfully, was not the result of terrorism, but rather a personal dispute between two juveniles who decided we're going to solve this right here and now. Million people watching. No big deal. Pull out our guns. I mean, as you look at these kinds of scenarios, what do we conclude in terms of the state of the family today and particularly kids that behave like this? Well, certainly it was a tragedy. Our hearts go out to the victims, and uh, we you know, just pray the, the consolation and healing of God on these people. And, and also, and, and I realize this is kind of mundane, but, um, you know, I'm sad for the Kansas City people that wanted to celebrate, you know, something as innocent as a great sports victory, and, and here it's forever tainted and it will be remembered for this tragedy so it's, it's just sad on so many levels but um i would encourage people you know life is still a gift from god uh family is still a blessing from god uh the bible says children are a blessing and a heritage from the lord so i, I can understand that people might you know think long and hard about you know bringing kids into this world but really, here, here's the thing, Craig. Um, Christ is coming back. Um, I personally believe it may be very soon, but we just don't know. And the early church turned the Roman Empire upside down on the strength of the family. And the, the worst thing we could do is just to uh, fold up our tent and give up. We need to be hopeful. We need to be encouraged. Uh, life is still a blessing. Jesus is still the Lord, and and He He blesses marriage and family. And I I think the hope of this nation are, are good, strong Christian families, Craig. And I would encourage people to uh, you know uh, stay positive, stay bold, stay joyful, and let's raise kids and bring bring children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, you know, it occurs to me, and I know that every time one of these mass shooting events takes place, the dialogue kicks up into high gear related to Second Amendment, controls over guns, back and forth it goes. Ultimately, politically, nothing seems to ever happen in one direction or another. But it does raise an interesting question, and that is that the Constitution in this country hasn't changed in over 200 years, but the behavior uh, certainly uh, of Americans has changed and pretty dramatically. And I have to wonder, from a, from a 
cultural viewpoint, since you spent so much time studying this and, and researching this, is part of the issue that we've sort of developed a, a, a culture of violence. It isn't to say that it's not always been there. I mean, Cain and Abel, right? But, but when you yeah. look at what happens with entertainment today, um, I had a conversation on the program yesterday with the vice president of the Children's Television Council, and the discussion came down to the fact that even films that we would oftentimes deem to be good, wholesome, great for family viewing, they will intentionally add foul language to step it up to at least a PG rating out of belief that it's PG or less, meaning general audiences, that a lot of people say, oh, that's just a movie for kids. And and, and the notion of stepping it up to a PG rating in order to then uh, get some attention at the Academy Awards, and then once the thing seems to gain enough attention to go back, re-edit the film to take out the foul language that created the PG rating in the first place in order to take it back down to what the producers wanted to do in the very beginning. When you add things like that with the fact that so much entertainment today for kids watching video games, what they see on the internet, television, movies, the whole gambit seems to be so violently centric. I I guess at a level, is it any wonder that we see children behave that way when we've convinced them that this is the way adults settle disputes? Yeah. You know, uh, my my friend, the late Chuck Colson, I'm sure you you probably knew him and interviewed him as well. Many, many times. um, Brilliant, brilliant guy. And Dr. Colson would talk about the coarsening of the culture that that we really are. Like you said, that gratuitous profanity and just violence and the cheapening of of humanity and, and lack of respect. And of course, um, sexual deviancy, sexual immorality. You know, many years ago, Cal Thomas, the columnist, wrote an article, I'll never forget the headline, and he talked about, quote, the diminishing returns of explicitness. Hmm. And he, he talked about the fact that, you know, you push the envelope and it's, you know, shocking. And then the next time uh, to get the shock value, you have to push the envelope farther. It's just like, you know, the gladiator games in Rome and, you know, increasing levels of blood sport to get the adrenaline pumping. And we're like that. I mean, I remember the Grammys a couple of years ago. Um, a friend of mine was playing in a group that was nominated for a Grammy. So I was watching. But the opening act, I mean, it was like a combination of porn and paganism. Mm. And we're a culture. And, Craig, I think a big part of it has been the breakdown of the family. Um, kids don't know impulse control. Um, kids, not all, but many kids, they don't know what it is to um, be polite and to show respect and and exercise etiquette. And we're we're just a, a very uh, coarsened, uh, debased culture. And I know this; it might sound old-fashioned, but it's not old-fashioned. It's just simply timeless. We need family, and we need church. Craig, I I give God the praise. I'll have 1,200 youth in seven camps this summer. And, you know, at first, and we've done this for 25 years, but sometimes kids, especially the kids from inner city, they they just don't know how to process. You know, but we're playing, playing volleyball, playing softball, swimming in a lake. And we have Bible study, and we teach biblical worldview, we teach the gospel. And I have had kids, last summer I had kids, by, you know, the the fifth day, and it's time to pack up and go home. I'm talking um, guys that are, they look like they're from gangs, and they're 
weeping, saying, Mr. McFarland, I don't want to go home. I want to stay here. I, I don't want what I've got back at home because they really don't even have a home. My point is this. We've got to be in this for the long game, the long haul, and we need to, to build families. We need to get in the, the lives of young people and mentor and encourage and, and yeah, share the gospel, but also tutor and help kids with schoolwork, show kids how to change a spare tire on a car, and then look at them and say, look, you can do something with your life. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't fall into drugs and destructive behavior. Get your education. God put you here for a purpose. See, I, Craig, I think a lot of kids need to be lovingly reminded that God made them and, and their life matters. But but it matters. It's got to be based on God and morality, Jesus Christ and truth. We've got to inspire this generation about life and about their purpose here. You know, I, that leads to a question, but I just realized we're, we're at the quarter hour and I don't want to ask it and have to cut you off. So stand by because I, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. And uh, bear with me. There's a method to my madness. We're going to take this into the, the political arena and what's going on in the body politic in America today in just a moment. But I get the sense that there is some connection here of the dots. And I want to do more of that and have Dr. Alex McFarland kind of walk us down the road so we get a better understanding of kind of that 30,000 foot high picture of what's going on in our country today not just politically but at the very core morally and spiritually dr alex mcfarland religion and culture expert with us today his latest book by the way it's a great one to have a copy of because you know what you never know when the kids are going to ask these questions and you (coughs) pardon me need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within the book's called 100 bible questions and answers for families and it's available right now you can get information on Online at, at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. A timeout back to more of a conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We return to our conversation with religion and culture expert, best-selling author, Dr. Alex McFarland. Dr. McFarland, just before the break, we were talking about the trends that we're seeing in, in American culture today, although, quite frankly, we see it throughout the globe where there seems to be further erosion of the nuclear family, uh, kids that behave out, act out in, in oftentimes pretty frightening ways. And I have to just wonder if there's a sense that, you know, the, the notion of uh, as, as the, the family goes, so goes the nation. If some of this goes right back to issues in the family of origin for these kids, and I'm reminded of the old phrase, the fish rots from the head down. If if parents are not providing leadership, if there's fighting going on at home, or, or dad is not fulfilling his responsibility as, as provider and protector, and, and examples are not being set, there's not real mentoring going on in the house that shows young people not only how to to live in a happy marriage but also how to to respect God and put family first and have the proper priorities in life if there's dysfunctionality in the home doesn't it follow that this is almost sort of the, the domino effect well yeah exactly because we we learn to a large degree we learn and we adopt the dynamics uh, that we're raised in. And, you know, I'm just going to say it, it's not politically correct, 
but God knows that I'm simply a person that cares about people. I care about God's truth. In our nation, we have got to restore an ethic of family. And we men need to know that the, the most masculine male thing they can do is be true to their spouse, be true to one woman, and love the mother of their children. I, you know, I, I tell men, I say, men, the best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. And in the black community, and, and look, there is sin all the way around, but um, it, it's a tragedy of immeasurable magnitude, the breakdown of the black family here in America. And um, I know I was a youth pastor for 11 years. I've been speaking to teenagers, you know, for the last 1,300 weeks, uh, 25 years. And young people, they need to know that they have worth and value and dignity. But the primary context in which we learn this is in the home. And so much of uh, gang involvement, drug use, at-risk behavior, um, not finishing school, not getting a vision for life, not to mention failure to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It, it's the breakdown of the family. And so uh, a lot of elected officials on the left, um, they believe in, you don't hear this word too much, but it's statism. The answer is always government. The answer is, you know, public education. The answer is, you know, a welfare state. No, that is not the answer. America was at her best, uh, not only in terms of stability and safety, but even godliness and prosperity when we were a nation that valued the family. And, you know, certainly pop music, pop media, so much of our entertainment, it affirms the things that are absolutely antithetical to family. You know, sexual promiscuity, being a, being a, a player, you know. Um, no, those, those things, what's so sad, Craig, is this. After, you know, your youth is wasted on the lies of godless media, I, I counsel people that are 30 to 70 years old. They have no family no spouse, no children to love them. They, they spent their 20s and early 30s believing the lies of, you know, immorality. Uh, and what people need, they need two things. It's very simple. They need God and family. I believe this to the core of my soul, Craig. The two things that make life worthwhile and fill the heart and, and they meet every emotional and spiritual need we have, God and family. And, you know, you look at the state of what's going on in our nation today between displays of violence yesterday and what otherwise should have been a, a wonderful family-oriented kind of celebration for the Kansas City Chiefs, although obviously from San Francisco it's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But what should have been happy and wholesome turns into tragedy. And I just have to wonder, we look at this and so many other examples out there, are we seeing the dysfunctionality of the home now spilling out into greater society where, you know, I mean, let's face it, if children don't respect their parents or mom and dad don't show and model respect for one another in front of the kids, why would we expect them to then leave the house and show it to strangers? Exactly. Perfectly logical, Craig. You're, you're right on the money. And that's why, you know, let's, let's step back and remember what 
Almighty God was doing in creating the human race. Because life is so brief. You know, God is making uh, people that can have a relationship with Him. Uh, the good news is God loves us. The bad news is we sin. Our sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that He sent Jesus to be our Savior. And the beautiful thing is, for those that are willing to uh, receive Christ's forgiveness and to, to humble ourselves and say, God, I've sinned. I'm not doing it right. I'm Lord, I need you to change me. Forgive me, save me, change me. And by the way, to anybody listening to this program right now, Jesus does love you, and Christ is as close by as a prayer. And no matter how far you are into the journey of life, uh, Jesus will meet you where you are, no matter what your age is. But Craig, here's the thing. Um, Chuck Colson said it. My former boss, James Dobson, would say it. Um, some of the greatest, Francis Schaeffer. Uh, the family was designed by God to prepare our hearts for life and eternity and the gospel. See, in the family, we learn about grace and unconditional love. In the family, we learn about accountability and punishment, rewards. And the book of Proverbs talks about, you know, discipline. And we have this, this sin nature, you know, this, this sin nature that if it is not reined in, it will destroy us. But God gave, you know, a mother and a dad. And Craig, isn't it better to learn discipline in the home while the stakes are low? Far better to get a, a spanking by mom rather than life in prison under a judge. And, you know... Uh, I, I realize some might be dismissive and say that this is some old-fashioned, you know, Ozzy and Harriet vision. But look, um, it it worked for six thousand years of recorded human history. The the family, uh, the you know, morals, the church, and in the last twenty-five, thirty years, Craig, I think we've gotten too too smart for our own good. Progressive, modern. You know, let's deconstruct everything and rebuild it in this modern in it. And look where we are. Well, and, and, and you know, we, we have flexible definitions now where, you know, we've gone from uh, debate over what's the truth to whether or not there is truth and then finally settle on, well, everybody gets to have their own truth. You can have your own, everybody can have their own set of facts. And, you know, all of these issues, I think, have combined together between the dysfunctionality in the home leading to dysfunctionality in society and, and ultimately dysfunctionality of an entire nation. And I want to talk about that a bit when we come back because there's been a lot of talk about uh, what's going on in the, in the body politic these days and a lot of constant out there that that seems to be increasingly growing and, and I guess ultimately the question is from a Christian perspective what ought our roles to be from God's viewpoint when it comes to serving him loving honor on honoring our family and what is our duty to country we'll talk about that next Dr. Alex McFarland religion and culture expert best-selling author his latest book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families available through his website at alexmcfarland.com a brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Thank you kindly, sir. Welcome back to the conversation. Dr. Alex McFarland, my guest in this segment of the program. Don't forget tonight, hour number two, our um, Church of the Week, featuring this time around Dr. Craig Greatman from Lighthouse Bible Fellowship. We'll get to that conversation tonight in the six o'clock hour. Meanwhile, as we continue our dialogue, sort of dissecting uh, the trends that have been taking place in American society and culture over the last probably generation and a half, two generations, and seeing not only the way in which there's been a rapid disintegration of the family, which of course leads, as we are learning, to a disintegration of culture and societies. It spills out of the home into greater society. And of course, we've even seen that reach into the body politic, where over the last many years, the level of division in our country has gotten wider and broader. And clearly, there's a sense that some are, you know, playing this thing for, for all it's worth. But I have to wonder, when we, when we talk about putting this in proper context, how do we teach Christians to understand the balance between understanding that our, our political enemy is not our enemy in the flesh, because we don't battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and spirits in high places, and we really, I think, need to see these people as, as individuals in need of a Savior. But that said, understanding that balance there with the responsibility we have to be light and salt, and I think part of that salt, part of that preservative, is to be engaged. I mean, let's face it, we're one of the, 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 the few nations that in the truest form of the word, as Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address, government of, by, and for the people, and yet so often we either completely abdicate any sense of responsibility of self-governance and want to leave it up to either somebody else or the professionals, or we get so deep into the body politic that we forget what our responsibility is to be light. How do we strike that balance? Great question, Craig. And again, thank you for having me on. I have, I have such respect for you as a thinker and a communicator. But um, yeah, we are blessed to live in a nation where we have recourse when there are bad laws and things that are detrimental. Uh, we have free speech. We can influence people. And we have, uh, for all of its foibles and struggles, we still have the ballot box. We can vote. And, you know, in recent times, it's it's become kind of assumed that pastors just delicately, you know, uh, shepherd their flock. And the pastor is just a guy that, you know, visits you if you're in the hospital. But really, throughout church history and even in our nation's history, Craig, as I'm sure you know, pastors were, well, for one thing, the the, the local minister was supposed to be, and very often was like the most literate guy in the community. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said that the local congregation deserves the highest scholarship the church can offer. And very often, pastors would preach election sermons. He would inspire and challenge their people to vote and vote godly. And, you know, as a man, you know, I've had the privilege of speaking in more than 2,000 American churches. I pastored two different churches myself. Um, you know, I call on my fellow clergy to use your pulpit to influence people for godliness and social and civic involvement. And, and I know our you know, core, core calling is to evangelize and live out the Great Commission. But we also, I believe, Craig, before God, we have a stewardship issue to preserve our nation, our freedom, 
our prosperity so that we can do good things and fund missions and infrastructure. You know, think about this, Greg. Whenever I'm in like a developing nation, a third world country, if you ever find like a well or a school, um, it's always put there by, you know, Samaritan's Purse, Compassion International, World Help, World Vision, you know, uh, Baptist Men on Mission, all of the benevolent work around the world that America does, and we have led in this, and it's a blessing we can do so. It's never by, like, people united for the separation of church and state, or the American Civil Liberties Union, or American Atheists. I've yet to be in a third world country and find cold water provided you know, your, your friends at American Atheist no it's always a Christian entity and pastors I call on you to preach and get your people voting and voting godly because here's the thing Craig I had a pastor say to me he said well you know I'm not called to speak about politics I'm called to evangelize you, you can evangelize while you're locked in a jail cell that's true but you can only do missions in a culture where you have latitude and freedom, prosperity, stability. Uh, And America is under demonic attack because for two centuries we have led the world in funding the Great Commission. And, yeah, I'm just going to say it, and this is the big picture, but um, Satan wants America to unravel and one of his prime avenues of attack has been to dismantle the family. But uh, America is in the spiritual crosshairs of Satan because we have been the, the, the country that gave a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. We have been funding and leading in the Great Commission, and the devil doesn't want that. So there's... There's a spiritual battle because we've been a godly nation and a nation that told the world of Jesus. You know, I think that that anyone eavesdropping on this conversation would say, uh, if, for example, I asked the question, do you have a responsibility to defend your home? You say, well, absolutely. I, you know, man's home is his castle, right? And that's 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 the covering over the family. So, of the course, I have a responsibility to defend my home. But I think sometimes we we limit that definition and think that that sense of protection and defense only extends to the four walls of your dwelling, not to perhaps recognize the the broader place that we call home, which is our 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 town, the community, um, our state. Our nation and and the broader sense of understanding that th- this attack. I was just reading earlier today. The Chinese are now creating a new misinformation campaign set to create even more division called spamouflage. It's just hitting the news today. Um, yeah. This was un- unraveled by uh, some researchers in London. But my point is, if the enemy can divide and conquer, can confuse us, can divide us, can create up per- create a, a a a false sense of 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 responsibility and duty and, and 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 perhaps believe that, well, no, I don't have to vote. Somebody else can do that for me. No, I think that when we talk about defending and protecting one's home, it, it extends beyond the four walls. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have uh, an obligation and, and really a stewardship issue to defend this country. Uh, and, and you know what? We forget, in, in terms of world history, 
What we have in America, it's very young. I mean, really, I know you think, you know, well, since 1776, um, you know, two and a half centuries, essentially, that's a long time. But really, in world history, um, a nation with prosperity, unparalleled uh, achievements. I mean, we've got everything from, you know, air conditioning to electricity to penicillin to, uh, you know, self-determination in terms of transportation. America gave the world airplanes and automobiles and the prosperity, you know, you can travel. Maybe you were born into a family that were poor farmers, but this is not a caste system. If you want to become a doctor, you can do that. That's why, Craig, I tell kids, stay clean, hang on to your dreams. I mean, honestly, if you work hard, live right, say your prayers, live within your means, you can become something. I mean, Craig, I give God the glory. I don't want to talk about myself. I really don't. But we literally, we were the poor, white, trash farmers. Um, I went to Sunday school in a car that the floorboards were rusted out, and the kids would make fun of me because I smelled like exhaust. We didn't know it, but we were the, the poor white trash. And 30 years ago, uh, you know, I had $58 in the shirt on my back, and here I am, and I give God the glory. But, you know, 20 books in print, been to five continents in all 50 states. But here, here's my point. America gives you an opportunity, and, and we must preserve this nation because suddenly, thousands of years, people are born in monarchies uh, or, you know, dictatorships, and suddenly we have freedom. And like Abraham Lincoln said, you know, uh, of the people and by the people and for the people, and our founders said, government by the consent of those governed. Governed, yeah. That's a radical idea in terms of world history. And look at the prosperity, the achievement, the accomplishments, the technology, and not to mention, you know, literacy and freedom of expression and freedom to share the gospel. And this precious enclave of heaven on earth that's been called America. We dare not lose it. No, and to understand that there have been millions of people down through the millennia before us that have, would have prayed they could have had even a tenth of the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States. And you know, freedom is never free. It's been bought with a price, just as our salvation may be free from our perspective, but it was bought and paid for with a huge price. And I think we need to understand just how precious this is and uh, how important it is that we preserve it, protect it, and defend it. And that our home and that responsibility of same goes beyond the four walls of just our dwelling. Dr. Alex McFarland, culture and religion expert. The new book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. That's his latest and available on the web at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. Dr. McFarland, as always, a privilege to have you with us. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. 
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.